0: Hi, guys! Thanks for joining me for today's episode. And I know it doesn't sound like a very fun thing to talk about based off of the title of today's episode. And honestly, it will probably be kind of a heavier topic that we're going to talk about. So just prepare yourselves and just know that that's like a little disclaimer for this episode. But I also truly believe that God is going to teach you something today and He wants to teach you something today. But also, Stick around for the following weeks because this is just part one of a four-part series I'm going to be doing on this podcast of women of the Bible where their pain became their purpose and not to toot my own horn, but I think it's going to be pretty darn good. So you won't want to miss it, but today, sorry, it's going to be so heavy. Today, I want to talk directly to the people who have experienced loss of someone that they love whether that's through death or a breakup or a friendship ending. And I just want to say that I'm sorry. I know it's hard and it's okay to have some days where you just don't fully know if you're going to be able to make it through. I've been there and just know that God sees you in your grief and he wants to take that grief and use it for your purpose. But I also know that some of you might not know God and I want to respect that. Just know that I am talking from a Christian standpoint, and I believe that if Jesus can restore my broken heart and give me a purpose from my pain, then he can and he will restore your broken heart too, if you let him. But before I fully jump into just our passage for today, I want to give you guys some background information on my journey of grief. My dad was diagnosed with a degenerative muscle disease, disorder, disease, similar thing. And a little, that was a little bit before I was born, um, and that actually ended up taking his life. I had just turned 16 years old when he died, and for reference, I'm now 22 years old, so it's been a few years. I had to not only mourn the loss of him, but I also had to mourn the loss of other things. My whole entire life looked a lot different from most kids, and when I was out on, say, the softball field playing softball, my dad was sitting in his truck in the outfield in the parking lot. He wasn't able to sit in the stands and cheer me on with my mom and my siblings or whoever was there like a lot of dads were able to. One of my earliest childhood memories was when I was at my friend's house. This was back in early elementary school, probably around second or third grade, and both of her parents were playing with us in the pool. And for the first time, I had realized that my dad wasn't like her dad. My dad was different. And then I thought about all my other friends and how my dad was nothing like them either. And that was the day that my grief had started. Emotional detachment was my first step. I either felt every emotion at once or most of the time I didn't allow myself to feel anything. But I can talk to you today and say that my grief and my story that God has given me, it really truly has become my purpose. And the Bible has a lot to say about grief. So let's turn to Ruth chapter one in the Old Testament. And we're going to start in verse one and we're going to read all the way to 22. So this is the NLT version. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. This man's name was Elimelech. And his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malone and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah, and when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malone and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to their homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes. And may the Lord reward you for your kindness, your husband for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, We want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for i am too old to marry again and even if it were possible and i were to get married tonight and bear sons then what would you wait for them to grow to grow up and refuse to marry someone else no of course not my daughters things are far more bitter for me than for you because the lord himself has raised his fist against me and when and again they wept together and orpa kissed her mother-in-law goodbye but ruth clung tightly to naomi Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was re- determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. "Is it really Naomi?" the woman asked. "Don't call me Naomi," she responded. "Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made my life— for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty." "Why call me Naomi?" When the Lord has caused me to suffer, and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter in law, Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. So I know that passage was super long, but there was just so much wisdom that was just poured out onto those pages. So here we have Naomi and Ruth. Ruth is her daughter-in-law, and within the first few verses, we see that Naomi, Naomi's husband and her two sons die. So literally, her entire immediate family is dead. I don't know about you guys, but I cannot imagine the pain of losing three people within a 10-year time frame. It was hard enough losing one just a few years ago. But what I also find interesting is that scripture doesn't say specifically how they all died. And if you're listening to this and you've never experienced grief by the death of someone, I want to talk kind of directly to you guys and just say that sometimes you don't need to know all the details. And it's important to respect the grieving family or the grieving person or whoever it is. Just respect their boundaries. And if they don't want to share what specifically happened, then please don't pressure them into sharing because for lack of a better analogy, you don't need to know all of the behind the scenes of what happened and it's just not really your place to kind of probe and ask questions like that. So, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. I'll get off my high horse now. So not only was Naomi grieving, she also told her two daughters-in-law to go. I don't think she actually wanted them to go though, especially in a time like this where Naomi, Naomi needed community desperately. And researchers and counselors, grief counselors, therapists, people like that, they've come out and said that the first week after someone dies, it's not usually the hardest week for the family or the person or whoever. It's usually about three months later where the grieving process is actually the hardest because at that point, people have pretty much stopped asking and stopped stopping by to see how you're doing and stop checking up on you because at that point people kind of expect you to go back to quote-unquote normal and not to have just gotten over it but they expect you expect that you have gotten over it to a certain extent and the grief that Naomi was feeling was probably earth-shattering but she probably didn't want to burden anyone which was probably why she told her daughters to go or daughters-in-law to go even though Naomi couldn't see how the rest of her story was going to unfold, Jesus, the Messiah, was going to be born through her family line by Ruth, who was Naomi's daughter-in-law. Ruth's eventual husband, which we will get to that, was actually part of Naomi's lineage because of her husband. And not to spoil the ending of the book of Ruth, but eventually Ruth marries this man named Boaz and their love story is adorable and pure and just sweet but that's not the topic of today's episode i can do one on relationships another day this is not the time though so anyways that was all random and maybe that didn't make any sense but the point i'm trying to make the the point i'm trying to make is that grief sucks absolutely but at the same time the lord knew that the death of Naomi's husband and her sons was going to lead to the literal messiah Jesus being born into the world. And also, I've heard time and time again about funerals, memorial services, and just places where there's death, but life has been brought to people. Because I've heard just about how services and funerals have preached the gospel, and they've invited people to accept Jesus into their hearts. And that's just so amazing to me, thinking about a place that's focused on death. But instead, it's brought life, spiritual life, and awakening, and adoption into the family of God. That, to me, is just so beautiful. And that's probably what God would love to see happen more, more often in today's society. But I want to point out in verse 13, Naomi says, Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you. Because the Lord Himself has raised his fist against me. And I think a lot of people go through a similar thought when their loved one dies. I know I thought something similar to Naomi when my dad died. I allowed myself to believe a lot of lies about God, and instead of turning to God, I ran from God. And even when one of Naomi's daughter-in-law, daughter-in-laws, Orpah decided to leave, Ruth stayed with her. In verse 14, it says that Ruth clung tightly to Naomi, and then in verse 16, Naomi tells after Naomi tells her to go, and she says, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. She even goes as far as saying in verse 17, may the Lord punish me severely. This is again, Ruth talking. If I allow anything but death to separate us. Ruth, I think you guys can tell, Ruth deeply loved her mother-in-law. And that type of love isn't easy. It takes sacrifice and it takes hard work. And even in 1 Timothy 5.3, I think Ruth is doing such a beautiful example of this verse. It says, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. Ruth is just clinging to her mother-in-law, where she could have just easily been like, "All right, love you, thanks for your son, bye." But instead, she decides to stay with Naomi to the point where she says, "That may the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us." And I can't think—I can't help but think about how the the love that Ruth has showed to Naomi is the same type of love, if not the same, very similar. To what Jesus shows us when we're so heartbroken and devastated. He stays with us. He clings to us even when we don't cling to him. Ruth and Naomi continue to travel towards Bethlehem. where And when they got there, people were probably whispering. And I'm sure it was like the hot news of the town. It was probably on like the local like breaking news, news alert type of thing. But news was spreading about her experience with losing her family. And when people started asking questions, which, again, it's not important to ask the questions if the family doesn't want to talk about it, but when people started asking questions if it was really Naomi and if it was really her and she was all alone and all just everything that she was feeling was probably just bubbling up in her. And I think something in her kind of broke because she says in verse 20, don't call me Naomi, but instead call me Mara. And Mara means bitter in translations. I mean, it's bitter and bitter Naomi was, but her reasoning behind being called Mara was because God had made her life bitter. She says that she went away full, probably full on God, but the Lord brought her back empty. She even gets to the point where she says that God has caused her to suffer or as some versions read, testified against me and that God has sent tragedy to her. Wow. Talk about anger towards God. And anger is one of those stages of grief, as we have probably all learned in health class sometime between middle school and high school. And honestly, major props to her, Naomi, for even being able to express any emotion at all at this point because I know, as I just shared earlier, I would either express every emotion at once or no emotion at all. But praise God that she still had Ruth despite her tragedy. And Ruth showed her the importance of community and she showed her redemptive love. And sometimes we have to be completely broken before we can be mended. We have to hurt before we can heal. And we aren't promised a pain-free life and scripture makes that abundantly clear. And some people might not like this. But I want you to know that it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry about your sister, your mom, your brother, your dad, your cousin, aunt, uncle, whoever it is. It's okay to be angry about their death but please do not sit in that anger. Tell God and if you don't know God then tell someone about how you're feeling. Tell a grief counselor, tell a friend. If you're still in school, tell a professor or a teacher. Just let someone know what's going on because you'll be left empty until you bring that to someone or bring that back to God, just like how Naomi felt. Jesus took time to hurt with those who are hurting and weep with those who are weeping. John 11, 1 through 44 is one of the most beautiful, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful depictions <coughs> of God being present with those who were grieving the loss of a friend and a family member. I'm not going to read that whole passage because it's super, super long, but I do encourage you to look that up after this episode is done. And again, that was John 11, 1 through 44. So, Jesus took time to feel human emotion. Of course, he was sinless. I mean, you'll see those memes all over like Facebook and Instagram of Jesus like flipping tables. So, If Jesus shows emotion and that emotion was righteous and it was sinless, depending on the situation and the reaction, emotions are more than okay to feel. And God gave us emotions to feel. But how often do we just live in the sin of the past, the hurt of the past, and the shame of the past? And we let that keep us from living a a life full of freedom. So I challenge you to reflect on that. I'm definitely not saying to just get over the loss of your loved one because let's be realistic here. A lot of the times grief doesn't magically disappear, but I do believe that you can live a free life. If I can live a free life, you can live a free life. And what's even more beautiful is that you can live a bold and free life in honor of someone that you lost. And look, I know some of you listening today can't quite fully relate to the whole grief over death, but what I'm almost certain is that we've all lost a friendship. So if you've been blessed enough to have never lost someone to death, think about the friendship that you lost with someone or the relationship that you thought was going to result in a long and healthy and happy and beautiful marriage. Maybe you had gotten engaged and even set a date. Then that engagement was broken off and the relationship fizzled out and it ended. Just because you haven't lost a relative or a friend to death, that doesn't mean, that doesn't make losing a friendship, a relationship, etc. any, on earth, any less easier. I found that I've actually had to grieve the loss of relationships and friendships and that's more than okay. And when my dad died, I emotionally shut off, but there was one verse that I clung to. While the rest of my Bible laid untouched, unopened for far too long, I was reminded and I was constantly brought back to the verse in Psalm, Psalm thirty-four, eighteen, which says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Even after I ran away from God, I still held this verse near to me, just as God was still near to me. Even when I didn't think that he was, even when I ran God's soft whisper kept begging me to come back to him. So I know that today's episode wasn't easy and I I had a hard time recording this. I still am having a hard time recording this. But I want to encourage you that it will be okay and you will make it through. I know it might not seem like it, but I'm confident that God will bring your purpose out of this pain He's going to turn your grief into your purpose. And I just pray that you guys find healing in Jesus' name. Have a great week, and I'll be back with you next Wednesday. Bye, guys.